Welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with the Indicast.com. My name is Abhishek, and uh, this issue is an interesting one. It commemorates Eastern giants, in the words of Forbes India, that is uh, the companies from various industries in east of India that have succeeded across many decades, and some of them are household names. Joining me on the call is uh, Forbes India's Avik Datta, who's anchored this uh, issue, written the cover story, and another long profile as well. Hi, Avik. You've been busy. Uh, thanks, Abhishek. Yes, I have. Yes. Before getting into the cover story itself, uh, Abhik, you know, Eastern India, you know, I think the first thought, uh, Calcutta, Bengal, the romance, right. art, yeah. culture. But once upon a time, it was a bustling hub for business. The British East India Company, I think, traces yeah. its roots uh, back to Bengal. Yes. And it was, so just take us through, you know, a little bit uh, from the business perspective. What does East India mean for business as such? So, you know, as you very rightly mentioned, the eastern part of the country with uh, Kolkata now, uh, which was earlier known as Calcutta at its hub, was the engine of economic growth for the country as a whole. When the colonial government was set up, uh, Calcutta was the capital. As a result of that, and because of various natural resources and uh, uh, that were available in and around uh, the area of East India uh, and Bengal in particular, uh, a lot of businesses actually flourished in this region, also because of its proximity to the Bay of Bengal as well as a river port that was there. It was also a trading hub uh, whereby a lot of imports of spices to jute and other materials used to be, you know, taken to England from here. And a lot of, uh, you know, man-made fabric, etc. used to be imported from the United Kingdom to here. Some of the country's oldest financial institutions trace their roots back to Calcutta, such as, you know, State Bank of India as we know it now. It is India's largest lender, but it started off in some form in Calcutta. But over the years, a lot of them have moved on from the city to other pastures such as Mumbai, Delhi, and some have even gone abroad. Did East India as such lose its way somewhere? It's a, it's a it did. It did, yes. Yes, it did. It did because of uh, uh, multiple factors. One is, of course, the, the British government shifted the capital to Delhi in 1911, after which Bengal was partitioned uh, a couple of times which led to a lot of political and social instability. Thereafter, you know, uh, under a left-front government which came to power in 1977, there was a lot of militant trade unionism and industrial relations were at a low, which led a lot of people to shut down their businesses. A combination of factors, and then, of course, in more recent times, uh, Nandigram and Shingur became synonymous with everything that was wrong with land acquisition, and, and sort of Bengal somewhere down the line sort of lost its way. Which brings us to the point as to why focus on the companies of the East. Those who have continued to do well are symbolic of resilient entrepreneurship, according to us. So let's start with uh, some of these entrepreneurs that have been profiled. Let's start with Mr. Sanjeev Goenka, who is on the yeah. cover. From the first paragraph, it appears that he's a stylish man, loves art, and has been okay. around for a, <laughs> for a while. So yeah. tell us what it was meeting him, and why, does, why hasn't he not shifted base as such? The Goenkas have traditionally been one of the most important business houses uh, in the East, uh, starting from Sanjeev Goenka's father's time, the late Rama Prasad Goenka on whose name RPG Enterprises was fashioned. Till, of course, RPG Enterprises was divided between Sanjeev Goenka and his brother Harsh Goenka in 2010. Harsh Goenka is in Bombay, but Sanjeev Goenka continues to be very much based in Calcutta and now runs his own conglomerate, which is called the RP Sanjeev Goenka Group. One of the group's largest business, which is CESE, whose main business it is to distribute electricity in Calcutta, till date remains the only 
power utility supplying power to the city of Calcutta. You know, while this group has traditionally grown on the back of acquisitions, uh, you know, if you look at some of their best companies such as CESE or Philips Carbon Black, which is a manufacturer of carbon black that is used in tires, uh, these have all come into the group by way of acquisitions. And when the group was undivided and, you know, everybody was active in the business, including the entire Goenka family, decisions were sort of taken collectively and, and, and that stood them in good stead. Uh, for a while. A lot of uh, free hand was given to some of the executives who were working in the group. While that bore fruit till a time, uh, I think after 2010 when the business was partitioned and Sanjeev Goenka took a fresh look at his business, he realized that things are not probably at their optimum operational efficiency level. Uh, he realized that while the, the top line, while revenues of the group were growing, it was not happening in the most efficient way and profit margins therefore were not where they ideally should have been. You know, he cites the example of Philips Carbon Black where he said that, you know, everything from the way they sourced fuel to logistics and all other processes, according to him, he thought he felt needed a revamp. Some of those changes were quite brutal, weren't they? Meaning uh, he considered these various sectors as individual companies in itself or individual balance sheets with its power generation, distribution, FMCG, mall development. These, these were broken down. No, that, that came much later. This is before the restructuring happened. This is while CESE was still the holding company for a lot of the businesses that you just mentioned. You know, the, the restructuring that the group has done, as, you know, which the group is doing now, is the consequence of a process that was put into motion around 2011-12 to first improve the balance sheets of the company, put them on a growth path, and let some of the newer businesses like Spencer's Retail and all of them mature. You know, Spencer's Retail has been a loss-making company for a very, very long time. They went into a great uh, expansion drive uh, in the early part of uh, 2010, the decade beginning 2010, and uh, while they opened a lot of hypermarkets and, you know, large format stores, not all of them were doing well, you know, uh, but, but he, you know, he sort of transformed that, he has changed that, he has learned the lesson that uh, unbridled expansion is not a great thing. So they cut down on a number of stores, they have cut down on a number of formats. A lot of this is also the credit of Sanjeev's son, Shashwat Goenka, who is now in charge of Spencer's Retail. And now Spencer's retail on a month-on-month -month basis has been reporting an operating profit and the company expects to report its first net profit for the year in fiscal 2018. That's a lovely story, Avik, and, and I think you end it by saying that he's also keen to buy a few sports teams as well. He already has co-ownership of uh, a football team in, in Kolkata. Yes. Yeah, for, in yes, the interest yes. of time, we move on to the next one, uh, which I quite enjoyed reading, was on uh, another brand that we've all grown up to is, is Everready. Uh, or it was synonymous yes. until a few years back to batteries, but they have other plans. Right. They right. want to expand in, in uh, LEDs, or they already have for the last few years. And what was staggering was uh, 700 million Indians use uh, their products. Uh, I, di I didn't know the figure was that big. And the chain, the retail, uh, the distribution chain is uh, 3.2 million retail outlets strong. They have a strong yes. brand and uh, a network, and now they want to piggyback on that to pedal a host of uh, goods. How is that coming along for them? So, as you mentioned very correctly, you know, Everready has been a household name and brand for as long as we can remember. Uh, first were their uh, batteries, then came their torches and flashlights, and now they are expanding uh, the reach of the brand and the distribution network that they have to include new products such as LED lights and uh, small appliances such as mixers, grinders, and you know, so on and so forth. The idea being that, you know, this company has not, and Amritanshu Khaitan is of the opinion, that the group has not done justice, quote-unquote, 
to the Everready brand over the last 110 years, which is how old the brand is. Because the battery market is a very small market in India, and one that is challenged and constantly threatened by cheap Chinese imports coming into the country through the unorganized sector. And it is just a 1,500 crore market. So Amrikanshu Khaitan's entire strategy and game plan is that when I have a strong brand, why should I keep myself restricted to a 1500 crore market? Why don't I enter new products such as LED bulbs and lighting, such as small appliances, such as packaged tea, and expand the field in which I play? According to him, by getting into these new businesses and some businesses that are planned for the future, he is increasing that 1500 crore opportunity to a 30,000 crore opportunity in which everybody can play. And even if it captures a small fraction of that market, you can imagine where the company's revenues could potentially grow. And as you mentioned very correctly, it has a very strong brand. The brand finds resonance with a large section of Indians who have grown up on the Everready campaign. Everybody remembers the famous campaign, Give Me Red. While it would take a new company trying to build a brand a very long time to get that sort of loyalty with the consumers, Everready doesn't have that problem. Its distribution network is only fractionally smaller than a FMCG major like Marico. And that tells you great volume about its ability to push products into the system and into India's towns and villages and cities. And that is exactly what the game plan is here. You know, if LEDs are successful, if uh, the small appliances are successful, it will give a huge fillip to the company. Right, and you mentioned a little bit about uh, Mr. Khaitan's objectives being to clean up the balance sheet. Now, is it a company which is heavy on debts at this stage and that being one of the priorities to shed some of it? If you if you talk about the present situation, I think they are, have a fairly comfortable debt-to-equity and debt-to-EBITDA level. Uh, there was a point in time, you know, in 2004, there was a demerger of Everly that happened whereby the bulk tea business was housed under McLeod Russell and the batteries business was housed under Everready. Because of the demerger, there was a lot of goodwill sitting on the books of Everready, which is an intangible asset which was amortizing over time and keeping the return ratios of the company artificially deflated. What Amritanchu has done is that he has written off that goodwill uh, below the profit and loss line in the balance sheet of the company as a result of which the return on capital employed and return on equity ratios of the company looks very good at the moment. He has also repaid some debt because of the improved cash flows of the company and now therefore the company finds itself in a much comfortable position as far as its debt servicing obligations is concerned and of course there is the headroom to borrow more in, in if it so needs to fund some of its future growth plans. And yes, it's a company which has a, a glorious history of over 100 years and uh, moving on uh, a week, what are some of the other highlights that uh, our readers can uh, expect? What are the, some of the other companies that you've profiled? Sure. So there are two other companies that we've profiled. Again, two of them are fairly well-known names. Uh, one is, of course, Lux Industries, uh, which is a very famous name in India for the undergarments and hosiery goods and products that they make. Again, it has traditionally been based out of Calcutta and has carved out a fair niche for itself in the undergarments market in the country. And what it is doing now is it is focusing on premiumization in order to bet on future growth because that is where it believes future revenues and, and consumer loyalty can come from. So that is Lux Industries. 
Well, one portion that I found interesting was that the competition in this industry is so fierce that Lux had a 40-member team looking at TV channels just to check what the competitors are doing in terms of the ads that they are putting out instead of waiting for a research firm to give them that data a week later. Uh, so that you know they can respond faster uh, although most of it is an unorganized industry most of it uh, hosiery as such it's quite competitive uh, absolutely absolutely i think there are a lot of small and medium players a lot of them in fact are based in uh, west bengal itself who are luxus competitors they are fairly small and regional and i'm not surprised because this is a, a fiercely competitive market you constantly need to be on top of the game as to which other brand is bringing in what products into the market you also need to know where they are advertising and where they are sort of reaching out to their customers and and you need to attack them on their turf and you know when this is a full time business for you uh, rather than having consultants work on a project by project or periodic basis uh, it just makes sense for you to have your own team to look into this and give you the constant and timely intelligence for you to act upon fair enough and this is final one before we we end this week is is in terms of challenges for a company to do business in that part of the world or that part of india has it become easier or more difficult what was your experience when you spoke to these you know well established entrepreneurs there is a reason why they haven't left those shores to move to let's say delhi or bombay or mumbai so is it is it getting any better the reasons for not having moved from there to some other city also partially resides with the fact that some people love to call calcutta their home and they continue to do that but yes the situation seems to have uh, somewhat improved uh, i would say there is still a lot of scope for improvement as we go along uh, because uh, in terms of industrialization bengal is still i believe lagging the other states of uh, the country but uh, people like sanjeev goenka and his group what they have been Uh, successful in doing has been to attract a lot of the talent that had left bengal back to uh, you know the group and the city for instance there is a gentleman by the name of koshik roy who is the current ceo of philips carbon black uh, and one of goenka's change agents he has been in delhi all his life spent 23 years with apollo tires and he was quite a senior member of the management board over there but goenka was successful in luring him out of apollo to come back to calcutta and and joined philips carbon black and script a turn around over there so definitely there is a a certain section of professionals and technocrats who are coming back to the city to work for reputable and well to do groups such as the goenka group and while groups like the rpsg group continue to be based out of calcutta they have done well to chalk out certain interesting strategies to give themselves a pan india brand appeal for instance RPSG group bought the IPL team Rising Pune Super Giants for a period of 2 years which ended with the last IPL season which ended earlier this year you know he knew fully well that this is only going to be a 2 year engagement because it was a consequence of the two teams getting suspended which was Rajasthan Royals and Chennai Super Kings but he knew that if he can get a team such as the IP uh, Rising Pune Super Giants in a popular league like IPL and promote some of his brands Uh, you know like the two yum brand which is a new fmcg business that the group is getting into then it will give him and his businesses a sort of pan india appeal which simply traditionally being based out of calcutta and doing traditional advertising may not be successful in doing which is also apart from his uh, very lofty aspirations of being a sports entrepreneur as you mentioned That's right uh, avik i hope you cover you know more companies from that part of the world and hopefully we have an encore of eastern giants again this time next year or whenever it is that you guys plan to to do this thanks a lot sure. for your time on this one
Thank you so much, Abhishek. Thanks, and all you listeners get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com as well as on iTunes. And to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to five one eight one eight.